You know what it is to be hungry. You know what it is to be destitute. You know what it is to be betrayed. You know what it is to be accused of what you have not done. And to suffer for being good. You know it so well. Thank you that we can come to you in our time of need. And know you understand. But also you've come to give us grace to overcome. And so we come to you this morning and we ask God that you will grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That you will open the eyes of our understanding. That we may know the hope of our calling the riches of our inheritance and the exceeding greatness of your power at work in us, your Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And therefore, God, we ask you these things and we worship you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. If you're here uh, for the very first time, who of you are here on holiday? Any holiday makers, welcome. Great to have you. Let's just give them a hand. Um, it's great to have you here. We trust that you are resting and that you're enjoying your stay here and that you will move and settle here. Um, you can actually live in this place. It's amazing. Um, but you're welcome here. Um, we're busy sharing on a theme of just God's grace through salvation and what he came to establish for us through Christ and the fullness of that salvation and this morning I want to continue at, and part of that great salvation is to overcome the flesh and, and so we're exploring how do we walk in the fullness of this freedom that Christ has come to set us free from not just the things that we have done but also the things that caused us to sin and it's, it's an important part of, of the gospel. And, and so this morning we want to continue on that theme of overcoming the flesh. There are four things um, that I'll speak about, um, about overcoming the flesh. I will not do all four today, but uh, we will continue. I ran out of time anyway in the previous sermon, but fortunate this is the last sermon for the day, and we don't have a next sermon, so... Thank you for your patience. You might be here a little bit longer than the previous sermon. No, I've, I've cut it. It is shorter, so hopefully we can also get to some ministry. Um, how to overcome the flesh. There are four things we need to overcome the flesh. And I'll talk about the flesh in a moment. But for those of you that were here two weeks ago, four things that we need to overcome the flesh. First of all, it's God's grace. Um, it's, it is the first step, and it's important to know the first step is always God, God towards us. It is His grace towards us through salvation that we are able to overcome the flesh. That is the first and most important step, and we're going to talk about that grace and that first step of God, what He has done to set us free from sin and the power of sin, that we should no longer be slaves, but to be free. The second thing that we need to overcome the flesh is our understanding of what he has done. It is our understanding of God's promise and salvation through the revelation of the word of God. 
what He has done, because the understanding of what God has done leads to our identity, who we have become in Christ Jesus, that helps us to live in a way that glorifies God, because we understand what God has done, and we understand who we have become. And that leads us to live in a particular way. And then the, the third thing is faith. We need to have faith. We need to have faith in God. We need to have faith in what He has promised and in what He has revealed. Not just understand it, but believe it so that we can actually live it. And then, fourthly, the most important to overcome the flesh is to walk in the Spirit. And that I will not have time for today. So we're going to try and get through the first three, and we will continue with the last. To overcome the flesh, you need to walk in the Spirit, and you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. Okay. So um, let's start with where we were last time. We briefly shared around this concept of humanity that what happened to us at the fall changed humanity and its nature completely. We were created perfect in the image and likeness of God. We were created innocent and pure and we only knew good and our desire was for God and to please God. And then the devil came and tempted us with challenging God's word and our obedience and faith and love and loyalty towards God. Challenging us with disobedience. Questioning God's word. Did God really say? Did God really mean? Let me give you an alternative and you can decide for yourself what is right and wrong. You can be like God. And man was at a crossroad in his love and loyalty and obedience to God versus another. And we all know the tragic reality that man chose to follow Satan and his suggestion. And with it we incurred his nature. Our nature became corrupt who was selfish, self-centered, and in rebellion against God. And so we incurred that self-centered, rebellious nature. And so humanity was cursed, not just with the consequence of sin in its surrounding, but its very essence became corrupted. And we became sinful. We inherited a sinful nature. Our, our innocent heart became a corrupt sinner because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Inside of us, when we are born, we have this inherent sinful nature. Self is self-centered. And we want to, and we are driven to please the desires of the flesh. And so throughout humanity, we see how this sinful nature in us just increases. When you leave humanity on its own, it becomes more evil. And we see where Adam and Eve sinned through disobedience. The first generation of humanity after Adam and Eve was Cain and Abel. And that sinfulness grew into murder. And as time increased, so does the evil in man's heart. And we come to the point of Noah where God looked upon the earth and he was grieved because of the evil in man. That just kept on spreading and God decided to destroy humanity and everything else in its domain. But God had grace on Noah. The first time we find this word grace in the Bible. 
And so we see from time to time, if you leave humanity on its own, very soon Noah became drunk and something very dodged happened in that tent and humanity grew evil again and we came to the Tower of Babel and God had to separate, intervene and then he called Abram out of his people to start all over again with a different nation. And then he sent Moses to call that people, his own people, into the promise of God. And then we see that own people of God, if you leave them alone, they just, humanity just grows evil. And then God decided, I'm going to start all over again. And he said, Moses, this stiff-necked people, I cannot bear with them any longer. I will start all over again with you. And Moses said, please, Lord, don't destroy them. And God said, okay but they will not enter the promised land. And then Israel entered into the promised land, and we have kings after kings after kings, and we see how humanity, if you leave it on its own, just grows more and more evil. And then God said, you know what? I'm going to start all over again. And, and we, we are constantly seen by this um, brokenness, in God's heart, and at that point of regret, God have grace on us. He has grace on humanity. Um, and then God decided, you know what, I'm going to start all over again. But this time, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to send my son. Because if you leave humanity on its own, and so we read this great promise in Ezekiel, what God said I will do different this time. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will take out this heart of stone. And I will give you a new heart of flesh. And I will pour out my spirit within you. And you will become a new creation. In Christ Jesus. Um, and so through God's grace. We are born again. To become a new creation. In Christ Jesus. And this is the powerful thing about God's grace towards us. Jesus did not just come to deal with us. Many people think God's grace. And relate to God's grace. Only as something that deals with our sin. But God came to do something far greater. He came to deal with us. He says, I will take the cause of that out of you. Because if I leave you, you just grow more evil. So this time I will send my son and I will take out this heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will pour my spirit within you. And this is the miracle of salvation. God's grace towards us that we are born again to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that new spirit and new heart will cause them to walk in my statue, to accept, to keep them, to accept them literally, and to do them. So, so this is God's grace towards us. The first step in overcoming the flesh is the fact that God has grace towards us. It's something that He has done. But in God's wisdom, He has decided as I taking out this heart of stone and putting in a heart of flesh and my spirit within you, I'm not going to change this box. 
the flesh. Die vleesbox. Nee? I'm going to leave this. And now all of a sudden, there is conflict within us. Because this flesh wants to do this. But the spirit in us <laughs> wants to do this. And now all of a sudden we have this conflict within us. The amazing thing is, when we were still sinners, dead in our trespasses, there was no conflict. Who of you were good sinners before you got saved? You know, when you're still an unredeemed person, you do whatever you want. There's no conflict with him. Whatever the flesh desires, that we do. So if the flesh desires to drink, we drink. If the flesh desires to have more drink, we drink more. There's no conflict here. If the flesh desires to have sex, we have sex. If the flesh desires to lie, we lie. If it desires to steal, we steal. We have no conflict within us when we are still unredeemed. But the moment we get saved and we have a new heart and a new spirit within us, there is conflict within us as we experience temptation. Temptation to do what the flesh wants versus what the spirit wants. And so now all of a sudden we're in conflict. Who of you have ever experienced this conflict? If you don't raise your hand, you're lying. You see, what happens is temptation used to be from the inside. But now temptation is from the outside, the flesh. And there is all of a sudden a conflict within us. And so we read of this. In the word of God. It's so powerful to know. It says here. Um, let's quickly jump to. Galatians 5. It says. Walk. I say, I say to you. Walk by the spirit. And you shall not gratify. The desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires. What is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. All of a sudden, now that we are saved, there is this conflict and this war within us. The temptation and desires of the flesh versus that of the spirit. Now, temptation is not sin. It is when we give in to temptation that we sin. So many Christians feel condemned when there is temptation. No. Temptation for us is normal. It is whether you give in to the temptation that determines whether you sin or not. But temptation is not sin. It's when you give in to the... And in God's wisdom, this conflict between the flesh and the spirit will remain until Jesus returns and we receive a glorified body. That day when Jesus comes, sin and the temptation of sin will be done away with and we will be in heaven forever with God without sin and its consequences. Isn't that amazing? That is our great hope. And it says even creation yearns for the revelation of the sons of God that they too can be in the liberty of freedom of corruption. That is our great hope. But for now, God wants us to overcome the flesh. And he's given us everything that we need for life and godliness so that we will learn 
to overcome and rule over the flesh. And so this morning we want to talk about how do you overcome the flesh? By God's grace, by understanding, by faith, and by walking in the Spirit is how we overcome the flesh. So what is so powerful is for us to realize that that very first step is God's grace towards us. When, when Christ came, He did not just come to die for our sin. Some people misunderstand God's grace. They think of God's grace and understand God's grace simply as dealing with our sin. But God said, this time I'm going to do something different. I'm going to make a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm not just going to deal with grace, their sin that they have committed. I am going to deal with the sinful nature. And this is so important to understand that grace is not just dealing with sin, but dealing with the power of sin in us. It is God's power that is made perfect in our weakness, giving us the ability to overcome the flesh. Temptation is not sin. It is when we give in to it. But God gives us the grace to say no and to follow the Spirit of God. Where's my spirit? The Spirit of God. Amen? Now, that is why Jesus said to Nicodemus, Listen, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And so we read in John 3 from verse 6, it says, Jesus speaks to him, he says, Nicodemus, whatever is born of flesh is flesh. But whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Therefore, do not marvel if I say to you, you must be born again. And you must be born again so that you can become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so we were dead in our trespasses and sins before salvation. That's Ephesians 2. And because of our sinful nature, we were slaves to sin. That is Romans 6. And we had no hope to be free, even though we tried our very best because of the sinful nature in us. That's Romans 7. And where Paul cries out at the end of the day, who will save me from this body of death? Because even as much as I try, I cannot do the things that I want to. I end up doing the sin that I do not want to. So who will save me from this body of death? And so God gave us the law to tell us and to show us what sin is. The law tells us these things, the cravings of the flesh, when they manifest, this is sin. And that's all that the law did. It had no power to change us. It couldn't deal with our sinful nature. It can only tell us what sin is. And so the law was given to tell us what sin is. And the greater our understanding of sin, the greater was our guilt. Because we ended up doing even more the things that we realized we shouldn't do. But the law was powerless to change us. It could not save us. It could only tell us what sin is and prove to us how desperate we are for a Savior. That we cannot save ourselves. We need a Savior. And we need a change of nature. And that's why Jesus says, Master, surely I say to you, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And that's part of God's grace towards us. His salvation through Christ. 
And so Romans 8 talks about this great miracle that takes place. It says, Romans 8 from verse 3, it says, What the law was powerless to do because of the weakened flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of law might be done away with in us who do not live according to the flesh, but live according to the Spirit. And so we are to this very day in conflict with the flesh and the Spirit. And I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you are struggling with temptation, that is normal. It is a normal Christian life. We are going to struggle with temptation, the desires and the will of the flesh, until the day we get a new body. But yes, the good news, God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. So that we can overcome and rule the flesh. I am not concerned when I counsel Christians who struggle with temptation. I'm very concerned when I have to counsel Christians who give in to temptation. And it is so sad to see when Christians give in to temptation and they start to justify their sin. Or they blame others for their sin. It is a dangerous cancer that will lead to death. God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. He's given us a new heart and a new spirit so that we can say no to the flesh. Romans put it this way. Paul writes and he says the following. In Galatians 5 or 16, it says, So I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then he goes on, and he speaks about this war that in, is in us, and he goes on here in Romans 6 from verse 15, he says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Or do you not know? That to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are the one slaves who you obey. Whether sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. As a Christian, temptation is normal. But the one you choose to obey, you're going to be tempted by what the flesh wants and what the spirit wants. They are in conflict with one another. So you cannot do whatever you want. You need to choose who you're going to obey. If you obey the flesh, it will lead to sin. And sin will lead to death. But if you choose to obey the Spirit, it will lead to righteousness. That is the normal Christian life. Do not be deceived by the devil to tell you you are a sinner. You know how many Christians I have to counsel that tell me the reason they are doing this is because they are a sinner. And I'm saying, haven't you read the Bible? That's a lie. You have been born again. You're a new creation. You are no longer a sinner. You're now a saint. A saint, do not murder. 
Do not steal. Do not lie. Sinners do. See, the devil is very sly. He says, did God really say you are free? Did he really mean free is free? Let me give you an alternative. You are not free. You can do whatever you want. And God's grace will cover your sin. That's a lie. You are free. <laughs> You're free to say no to temptation. Does it make you perfect? No. It is a process of growing up into maturity where sin becomes a rare exception in your life, in an otherwise holy life. But you have the power and the ability to say new, to say no because you're a new creation. Amen? So do not believe the lie of the devil that you are a sinner. You're not a sinner, you're a saint. You're not in Adam, you're in Christ. You are born again, you're a new creation, you have a new heart and a new spirit in you that enables you. As a matter of fact, Paul says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you and will give life to your mortal body so that you can say no to sin. So don't believe the lie of the devil that you're a sinner. No, you're a saint. Are you perfect? No. Do you sometimes fall? Yes. But your aim is holiness. That's why he's given you the, what do you call the spirit again? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> that leads us to righteousness and holiness. And he's given us that by his grace. But you must believe it. You must believe it. After God's grace comes faith. You must believe. First of all, you must believe that you are a sinner. Before you're saved, you must believe that you're a sinner and you need Jesus to save you. You need to humble yourself and come to the point of acknowledging, God, I am a sinner and I cannot save myself. I need a Savior. Please save me. And God says, yes, I will. I will take this old man and I will crucify it with my son so that the body of sin might be done away with, that you should no longer be slaves to sin. Romans 6. Yeah? And I will make you a new creation in him. It's very powerful. Then you need to have faith in what he says about you. He says you are now no longer a slave to sin. You are now free to live for me. You need to believe it. You need to understand it and then you need to believe it. And then you need to reckon yourself dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And I want us just to quickly read those scriptures. In Romans chapter 6, we read the following. It says, from verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin, now that we are saved, shall we continue in sin, so that God's grace may abound? Certainly not. How can we, who died to sin, live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, was baptized into his death? For as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism to death, that just as Christ was raised from 
from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. See how powerful that is. Is you must, is, and it's so powerful in Greek, there where it says, do you not know, it literally means, do you not understand what happened when you got saved? You have been crucified with Christ. It continues here in verse 5, because this is important. We need to know and understand what God says about us, about sin, and about redemption, our freedom from sin, and our identity as Christians. Because that will determine how we present ourselves to the flesh. When temptation comes, we have a choice. I'm either going to present myself as a slave to sin, or I'm going to present myself as being free from sin. It is how I understand, believe what God says I am that determines how I present myself when temptation comes. If I believe I'm still a sinner, I'm probably going to end up sinning. But if I believe I'm free from sin, I'm dead to sin, I'm going to say no. You understand how important God's grace and our understanding of His grace is so how we present ourselves. Now listen to this. Romans 6 says, For if we've been united in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, was well, my old man, it's hiding. My old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we should also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life that he lives, he lives for God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You have to understand and then reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin. This is God's word. That's where faith comes in. Not just that Jesus paid for my sin, but he made me a new creation. So that I'm no longer a slave to sin the way I used to be. Ephesians 5. But now I'm a new creation and now I live for God. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in me that will give life to my mortal body to say no to the flesh. You need to understand, it's a mindset, it's a reckoning, it is identity in Christ. You are no longer a sinner but a saint. It is a lie of the devil that you cannot rule over sin. It is called deception. Because if you believe what the devil says, it will determine how you present yourself when temptation comes. God says you are free. The devil says, did God really say you are free? Did he really mean free? Let me give you an alternative. You can kind of decide what you do or what you don't. It's a trap. 
It's an old trap. Romans says here, from verse 12, Therefore, Romans 6 verse 12, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you would obey in its lusts. Do not let sin rule, reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and, as your, in, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not under the law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law and, but under grace? Certainly not. Listen to this. Do you not know? Do you not understand? To whom you present yourself... Slaves to obey, you are that one slaves who you obey. Whether you obey the flesh craving that leads to sin and sin to death or to obedience that leads to righteousness. So you have to have understanding and faith in God's grace so that when temptation comes you can say no. And then you're going to say, God, help me to walk in this freedom. That you have given me. Help me to rule and reign over sin. As you desire me to. Because God is busy equipping us to rule and to reign. That's what he's busy doing. When we go to heaven, when we get here, we are not going to sing in a mass choir. We might also sing. and <laughs> We'll probably sing a lot. But we're going to rule and reign with Christ. And he's teaching us to rule and reign. And he says, listen here, what the devil has come to do to destroy you, I want to use you to destroy what the devil has done. And I want you to rule over him. He came to crush, to bite your ankle, but you're going to crush his head. Well, it's not done. You're going to? You fuck. That's, we are children of God. He wants us to overcome. I've given you everything you need for life and godliness so that you kop kan trap. That's what God is training us for. It is a line, a trap of the devil to make you think that you cannot but sin. It's a mindset. It's an understanding. And we're either going to obey the flesh or the spirit. He goes on to say, but God be thanked for though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart of the doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you present your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Because you're no longer a sinner. You are born again in your new creation. You've got God's spirit within you. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. And what fruit did you have when you, in the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and in the end everlasting life. Isn't that amazing? That's who you are. You're not a sinner anymore. So when temptation comes, no, you can say no. God has given you everything you need.
And then, the next thing that helps us to overcome the flesh is found in Galatians chapter 5. And this is the most important one, and we do not have enough time to do this one. So you'll have to wait for next time. Yeah, it's a good, like, that's how you do soapies, no? Next time. Yeah, next time. Next time, we're going to talk about the most important way to overcome the desires of the flesh. After, oh, we first have relationship month. Then we're going to talk about this. No, no, I'm just joking. We're going to have a relationship month, and then afterwards, then I will continue on this. But here's the most important thing. Galatians 5 verse 16. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's the most important way to live in freedom. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envies, drunkenness, orgies, and the things alike, which I warned you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, in which there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Amen? That is next time. What does that mean? How do we walk by the Spirit? It's a whole sermon on its own. And I'll end off with Romans 8. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit, which are you. Amen? Amen. Next time we'll talk about this. Today, I want us to consider in our own hearts, as the band comes forward, I want us to consider in our own hearts, again, God's grace towards us. That while we were still dead in our trespasses, God had mercy on us. While we were still under the control of the spirit of disobedience, while we still gave in to the desires of the flesh and the mind, Ephesians 2, while we were like the rest of mankind, children of wrath, God had grace on us. He had grace on you. He says, I will come and I will save you from this body of death. And I will take out your heart of stone. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will pour my spirit within you. And I will cause you to desire me. To follow me. And I will give you the ability to walk in my ways, to keep my statutes, and to do them. I want us to consider that great grace towards us and our response to it. Let's just close our eyes.
Just speak to the Lord and thank Him for His grace for saving you while you were still dead in your trespasses and sins. Just in your own words. Maybe you're here while all the eyes are closed and you have not done that yet. <laughs> there is grace for you today. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. But respond to Him. He's paid the price, the ransom for your life. And you can claim it today by just humbling yourself and say, Lord, I'm a sinner, save me. And He will. He did it for me and He did it for most of the people in this room. And you can have it too. If you are not sure and you want to respond to Him today, I want to give you an opportunity while all the eyes are closed by just raising your hand and say, God, you're right, please save me. I am a sinner. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for those hands. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? just want to give you an opportunity. Lord, I thank you for your grace towards each and every heart that's responding this morning. It's why you came. It's why we gather every Sunday. It is for another sinner that comes to repentance. And it was worth it. It's still worth it 2,000 years later. You're still waiting in patience. You're waiting for more to come to you. Lord, I thank you for those who are responding this morning. Lord, I thank you that you will come into their lives and you will take out the heart of stone. You will wash them clean of all their sin, all their mistakes. And you will pour your spirit within them. And you will make them new. And they will be your sons and daughters. Lord, I pray that they will continue to follow you all the days of their life with a thankful heart for what you have done for them. For the rest of us, will you take a moment and reckon yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Just for a moment, whatever that means to you, Take a moment and reckon yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God. Just for a moment. Just speak to the Lord. Just make a confession. Say, Lord, I am dead to sin, but I am alive to you. Just in your own words. Then I want you to ask forgiveness. If you have sin in your life, 
Ask Him now. Just where you're seated. Whatever sin it may be. Say, God, I'm sorry for believing the lie. I'm sorry for the sin in me. Please forgive me and set me free. Whatever it is, just in your own words, just where you're at, just speak to the Lord. John puts it so powerfully. He says that if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all unrighteousness. If you walk in the light before God as He is in the light, you have a relationship with Him. And the blood of His Son cleanses you of all unrighteousness. He says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all sin. That's why he came. So every time you sin, you can go to him. Say, Lord, I am sorry I have fallen. But thank you for your salvation. And he says, you are forgiven. I've paid for it. You are free. And lastly, I want you just to all of us, just ask God for His grace. Ask God for His grace to help us to overcome and rule over our flesh in Jesus' name. Just ask Him. Let's not be arrogant. Let's not be proudful. Let's not think we can do it in our own strength. But let's ask Him. Just where you are. Like Jesus taught us to pray. Father, lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Ask Him for His grace to overcome where you are, just in your own words.